Hello, hello. Welcome to the Bizfluencer podcast. I'm Donata White. I am a social media expert, founder of Coffee Date Media, a social media marketing agency in North Carolina, as well as the creator of the Bizfluencer Bootcamp. Now, there's a whole big intro I could do here because this is the very first episode of the Bizfluencer podcast, but because it's the first episode, I also thought it was a great time to do a couple of things. Number one, explain what the heck a Bizfluencer is. <laughs> and number two, share my story and how I came to be the person that I am today and why it's so important for me to help you become the Bizfluencer that you were meant to be. So you clicked on this podcast, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, and you probably did so in part because you wanted to learn what the heck a bizfluencer is. So let's just start with that. A bizfluencer is an entrepreneur with influence. It's as simple as that. It's somebody who embodies the business savvy and vision of an entrepreneur along with the community building abilities and authenticity and relatability of an influencer. So it's sort of like the best of both worlds combined into one. And the reason why it's so beneficial to be a bizfluencer rather than just an influencer or just an entrepreneur is because it opens up so many opportunities for you in both arenas, whereas being one or the other or compartmentalizing yourself into one box or the other is limiting in a few ways that I think make it a little bit harder to make it in this online space. So let's talk about what it means to be only an entrepreneur. If you're just an entrepreneur with none of that influencer side, you live in relative anonymity in both the digital space, meaning on social media and in the online world, and also in the real world community as well. And that can be great for your sanity, if we're being honest, but there are disadvantages to it. Number one, nobody knows who you are. You're starting at zero when it comes to the social proof, meaning when you're just an entrepreneur, you start a business and you're not bringing in any of that influencer style community building. You're really starting from zero when it comes to bringing in eyes and ears into your business. No one's engaging with your business simply because they trust you as its founder, which is fine, but your ability to draw a crowd based on your word alone is pretty limited if you're just going to put yourself in that entrepreneur box. On the upside, you can focus all of your attention on that business growth and strong business strategy. You can lean more into the corporate side of things if that's the type of business you want to run, and you can put all of your attention there, which is great, but it is a struggle to get customers and conversions when your word as the founder or CEO of the business doesn't carry much weight in the wider space, particularly on social media. Now let's talk about being only an influencer because that too has its drawbacks. If you're an influencer, you have a community around you. You have a pool of audience members with very high trust, very high conversion rates that you can pull from. So whatever it is you're doing, you have this community that's there to support you and they'll follow you pretty much wherever you go. That's what we see with a traditional influencer type personality or personal brand on social media. Let's talk about an influencer. Like for example, an Instagram influencer, somebody who says, take these gummy vitamins and they have tens of thousands of people who now want to go try these vitamins without questioning the quality or the ingredients or anything like that, because the influencer, somebody they trust, somebody they have deemed as authentic and trustworthy has said, 
go try these. I think they're great. So you have that ability when you bring in some of this influencer type branding to do that for your business. The problem if you lean all the way into influencing is that income streams are very, very difficult. And I know because I was an influencer for many years before I stepped into the digital entrepreneurship space, income is hard. Typically it comes in one of two forms, one being affiliate marketing and the other being sponsored content. So affiliate marketing is when the influencer gets a commission from the sale of any product that the influencer drives through their particular code or link. So let's say, again, we'll go with the gummy vitamins because that seems to be the quintessential example, but this could be anything. It could be apparel, it could be beauty products, home decor, anything, digital products even. The influencer receives a commission, a predetermined commission that they work out with the company based on how many sales are driven through that influencer's special link or special code that the company gives them. So there's commission-based sales. And then the other way influencers typically make money is by sponsored content, which essentially turns them into freelance marketing agents for whatever brands they're working with. So typically how this works is the influencer will get paid based on not only the quality of their photos and videos, but also the quality of their audience, meaning how many followers do they have and how many of those followers are engaged followers. So the engagement rate, the percentage of followers that are highly engaged is huge. And we can do a whole episode on influencers. In fact, one of the next few episodes will be entirely dedicated to influencing because I wanna make sure that people understand what influencers actually do, because I think there's this misconception that they don't have real jobs, which is totally false, but we'll get to that in another episode. But all of that to say that making money online as an influencer is incredibly difficult because the rates for these sponsored content pieces are so low that you'd have to do one every single day just to make the rent if you're a typical micro influencer or even a medium sized influencer. Now, if you're somebody who's built a community of millions, congratulations, you can pretty much do whatever you want in the digital space and make money, but it's incredibly difficult to build an audience of that size if you don't know what you're doing on the digital marketing side. So you essentially have to be a marketing genius to build a community of that many people. So bizfluencing gives you the best of both of those worlds. You have the business savvy and the ability to create your own income streams of the business, the entrepreneur, you also have the community building authenticity and trust of the influencer. And combining those two things has been instrumental for my success in the digital world. So I actually think that's a good segue into my story because I have done a lot of things in the content creation space, in the influencing space, in the entrepreneurial space. And I think that all of that converges into this concept of being a bizfluencer and using that to launch your online presence into something that's lucrative and fulfilling and why it's so important for me to help my audience do the same thing. So let's take it all the way back <laughs> to when I was a little kid, because I think the things we're into as children are really big hints as to what our purpose is and what is going to be fulfilling and what's going to make us happy as adults. And had I paid attention to that, I could have avoided a lot of mistakes, but I'm glad I didn't. I would do it all over again, but let's go back to 
tiny Donata, small Donata, <laughs> way back in, I mean, probably elementary school. A lot of kids love to make things, you know, arts and crafts, they like to paint, they like to draw with chalk. I was a content kid. Somehow, if I could get my hands on a camera or a computer or even notebook paper and a pen, I was just in love. I could lose myself for hours writing little stories, drawing up little magazines, creating little comic strips, just writing, 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 and reading, 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 consuming content all the time. So that should have been my first hint, but <laughs> we didn't take that. Now heading up through my middle and high school career, writing was something I always really excelled at. I mean, I was a great student all around. I got straight A's pretty much all the way through school, but writing was the thing I think that my peers and my teachers noticed was far beyond in terms of skill level. Like, yes, I was good at math, but writing was the thing where I really, that was my talent, I think. And so I go through high school, I've got good grades. You know, at this point, we're going through the whole, what do you want to do with your rest of your life at 17 years old, which is insane to think that at 17 years old, you're supposed to know what you want to do with your life. At 27 years old, I didn't know what I want to do with my life. But at 17, I decided, all right, I don't really know, but I'll go to a good school with lots of options. I'm going to excel at whatever I try because I'm going to work really hard and maybe I'll figure it out in a couple years. So I applied to two schools. I ended up going to UNC Chapel Hill. I loved it. It was the best choice I could have made for my undergraduate career, not the least because I met my husband there. But when I went to orientation, you had to check these boxes about what you were interested in doing. And so they would put you into different groups in orientation based on where they thought you were going to end up. For those of you who aren't in North Carolina or maybe aren't familiar with, you know, state university systems, they have a lot of schools in the system. They have the general um, arts and humanities majors that you can take. And then they have the schools. You could go to nursing school or you could go to the school of social work or the school of journalism or whatever it is. They have professional schools and then they have the general or the general arts and humanities undergrad. And I was thinking I wanted to go be a history major at this point. I enjoyed that stuff in high school and I thought I'll just be a teacher. That sounds like a great career for me. I love academia. <laughs> I clearly like school. So let's be a teacher. It made sense. Um, but somehow my paperwork got shuffled around and I ended up at the journalism school orientation. And it happened to one other kid there, and I remember that person stood up and said, I'm not supposed to be here, I'm supposed to be in Arts and Humanities, and they left. But I was too chicken to leave and stand up and do the same thing, and I didn't want to make the journalism school students feel bad because it was a very small group. And I remember being in there and thinking, oh, this sounds way more interesting. <laughs> So it turns out for me not wanting to make other people feel bad or embarrass myself by standing up in front of a group of strangers and saying, I'm not really supposed to be here. Um, it turns out that I found out what I wanted to major in. And so I went through all my gen ed classes first year, of course, you know, making the best grades in you know, the English and writing type classes. I went to enroll in my first journalism school class sophomore year, had the best time. And I was just creating content all day long again. It was article after article after article, photos, videos, anything you could create content-wise, you were learning how to do, and it was incredible. We did radio shows, we did photography, we did long-form and short-form articles, we were doing interviews, it was so exciting and I loved it. But this was also around the time 
the recession was happening. And around my junior year, I started looking into employment opportunities and they were slim. And not only were they slim, they were extremely underpaid. I thought, how am I ever going to support myself on a salary like this? Not just the lifestyle I want. How am I going to live alone? (laughs) How am I not going to live in my parents' house if this is what they're paying? And I knew that my parents wanted that sort of security for me. And I thought, okay, well, what can I do that uses the skills that I have, but pays a lot better than this? So I did what any self-respecting straight A student with no job prospects did at the time. And I applied to law school. I went to grad school and I remember breaking the news to my parents because it seemed like a quick decision, but it most certainly wasn't. I ruminated on this decision for weeks before I decided to go and before I decided to tell my parents about it. My dad was really upset. I don't know why he was really upset, but he was. I think it was just a shock for him after all this time saying I was going to be a journalist. Um, My mom was less shocked, less upset, but... Within six months, I was taking the LSAT. I had applied to all of my schools. I actually took the LSAT at the end of my junior year, meaning I was ready to go for early admission. I ended up applying again to Duke University for law school, got in early admission, went ahead and enrolled, and there I was in law school. Whew, that was a high-pressure environment, probably the most high-pressure environment I had ever been in up to this point. And... I tell you guys all of this, not because I like talking about myself, but because I think it gives a lot of background and I'm hoping you can see a lot of the places where I had clues. There were breadcrumbs and I chose to ignore them in favor of what I thought I should do or what I thought was going to be impressive to other people or what I thought the financially responsible, quote unquote, responsible decision was. And I'm sure you're you know, listening in your headphones or watching on your screens right now and going, you're missing all of the clues. (laughs) You're missing all of the signs. And I did, I missed them. I was young. I was 21 years old and I did what I thought the responsible, safe thing was to do. So I was in law school and I thought I liked it. I met a lot of great people there. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to totally say that it was the worst decision ever. It was not, I would do it again, but It was clear from very early on that this was not the lifestyle for me. It was then that the stress started. At this point, also, my husband and I were in separate grad schools, six hours apart. So we were long distance for four years. So that added to just the life stress in general. But this environment, rather than being based on your own merit, everybody was graded against each other. So it was highly competitive and... From the get-go, I just started turning into a totally different person that I did not recognize and I did not like. Yes, I was writing a lot, but I was also just drowning in the competition. And so in an attempt to throw myself a life preserver, I started my blog in, I think, between my second and third year or maybe the end of my third year, somewhere in there. I had completed my first year. I had lost probably 10 or 15 pounds of stress weight. I was unrecognizable from a personality standpoint and a physical standpoint. But I started this blog and I found a community of people online that were absolutely 
fantastic. Everything was positive. It wasn't a competition. It was, it felt light. And for the first time in, in over a year, I had something that made me happy and something I was excited about and something I wanted to do. So somehow, I don't know where, I found the energy to not only do my work for my classes, but also to create videos and write a blog post or two per day and communicate with all these beautiful, wonderful, amazing people I was meeting online in the women's lifestyle space. That's where I kind of entered the online world was as a women's lifestyle blogger. And initially, it was me experimenting on myself, which I think you'll find if you've gone back through my content or if you've been with me for a while, that's kind of a thread (laughs) of a theme that I share with my audience. I am never showing up as like the total expert on something, the total beauty queen, the total person who has it all together. It's like, hey, I'm trying this. I'm going to show you me trying it and we'll, we'll figure it out together. So that's kind of the gist of it. And it was so much fun. I just loved it. And I realized that the part of me that was starving to do that was finally being fed. And there was this little inkling in the back of my mind that this is what you're supposed to be doing. At this point, it was 2012. I don't know who the heck was making money off being an influencer, but it certainly wasn't me. It certainly wasn't any of the friends that I had. And as You know, my audience was growing, but it wasn't quickly. The money wasn't there. So I graduated, got a great job at one of the biggest law firms in the country in New York City, continued living in that high pressure world, but never gave up my blog and my YouTube channel. Now, there were times when I physically could not do them both. And those times got more frequent the longer I stayed at the job. When I first got there, I was super excited. I was happy. I found the work challenging. I found the work intellectually stimulating. I liked the people I was working with. I will always say that. I worked with the best people at that law firm. But again, the concept of my job being immersing myself in other people's conflict, that was so draining to me. And I didn't see how draining it was because I was getting my work done and I was doing it well. And I thought those were the only signals that mattered. I thought getting that paycheck every two weeks and getting good reviews at my job and being able to hold it all together was all I needed to know. Meanwhile, again, I'm losing more stress weight. I'm grinding my teeth. I'm having nightmares where I'm waking up out of a dead sleep, sweating, The longer I stayed there, the more often I find myself having an aversion to my phone, meaning if I could see the light blinking on my phone with a notification, with an email, I would have like a mini panic attack, heart palpitations. I was getting anxiety attacks. I found myself so under, so exhausted, just underslept that I was taking naps on the floor under my desk every single day that I was at the office. And that's if you could get me to the office that day because any excuse I had to stay home and work from home, I would take it. The longer I stayed there, the more frequently life was throwing in my face that I did not belong there. 
But I thought that leaving was an admission of defeat. And I was going to stay there as long as I could. Not just for the money. The money was great. I was well compensated for all of these, these damaging habits that I was getting myself into. But it wasn't just for the money. It was, I had for years up in, I mean, by the time I left, seven and a half or eight years of my life had been dedicated to becoming this high-powered boss B litigation attorney in high heels with a designer bag. And you know what? I had it. I had the sweet two-bedroom apartment on the corner with the skyline view, floor-to-ceiling windows. I had the designer bag. I had a super cute husband. I looked super fit because I had stressed away any possible weight that I could lose. So on the outside, I looked like I had it going on, but I was miserable. I didn't know what my personality was anymore. I literally had no idea who I was as a person because all I did was work and sleep. My husband and I saw each other one day a week. And on that day, I was probably working. The signs were getting more and more clear that I should not be there. And I didn't want to listen because I thought that it meant I had failed at something. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe sunk cost is preventing you from doing the thing or escaping the situation that you know you should not be in anymore. Maybe sunk cost is keeping you in a relationship or it's keeping you at a job or it's keeping you in a geographic area that you should no longer be in. And it's real and it's hard because you're thinking, I have put so much into this. What are other people going to think if I throw up my hands and say, I can't do this anymore? And that's exactly what I was thinking. And I had two moments, and this may sound strange. I've actually only shared this one other time online because I know how strange this sounds. And I think now is as good a time as any first episode of the podcast And if I am a person of faith, I'm a Christian person. Um, So if you are too, this is going to make total sense. You can call this whatever you want, but I know what I experienced and I'm going to share that with you. So the first time this happened, I received a review, a performance review on something that I had done at work. And this was probably a year and a half before I left. And I thought I had done as well as I could have under the circumstances. I didn't really receive much instruction from the people who were asking me to do this. I did my best. Apparently, it was not good enough. (laughs) And I was upset because I felt like I was being unfairly judged. And I was crying at my desk. And I was thinking, oh, my God, I put all this energy into this job, and I'm not even doing it right. I was sobbing as hard as I ever, ever, ever sobbed in my life. And... I said out loud, I need your help, meaning, God, I need your help. And before the phrase came all the way out of my mouth, I heard, but not with my ears, in my head, I heard, you'll stay there forever if I don't kick you out. You'll stay there forever if I don't kick you out. At this point, I'm terrified (laughs) because that was not me speaking to myself, Um, And I didn't know, does that mean, oh, 
I'm in control. Unless I kick you out, your job is safe. Or was I being told, you're not going to move by yourself. I'm going to make this uncomfortable for you because you're not going to make this leap by yourself and you're not supposed to be here. Turns out it was the latter, (laughs) but I waited a full year and a half to listen. About a year and three months, 15 months after that, things had gotten better. I had made an effort, more of an effort, as if that was possible. (laughs) I had cut back on my blog and my YouTube channel. I was still doing it because it was something that got me excited and brought me joy, but I had to cut it back just for time's sake so that I could maintain this career that I knew I didn't like and I knew I wasn't supposed to be at, but there we were. And I thought that the scarier thing was to jump. So I did the safe thing and I stayed at the job that I didn't like. So the second time this happened to me, I was feeling really great. I was having a great morning. I was on the bus heading into the city thinking, all right, well, I've, my, my blog is doing well. I had recently gotten a lot of views on a video and things were going great and work was going well. And I was just, again, praying as I did in the morning at that time, usually and saying, okay, so like, what's the next step? What are we doing? You know, what's going, what, what's the next thing? And the same way I heard that first message, I heard get moving boxes and I almost laughed because I was like, we're not planning to move. <laughs> what are you talking about? But that day I came home and I said, Jeff, you're going to think this is nuts, but God told me to get moving boxes today. So I'm going to take this Amazon box and I'm going to flatten it and put it in the back of our closet because I don't know why he's telling me to do this, but I am going to say yes, because saying no can only have negative consequences. So we're putting this Amazon box in the back of the closet, and that's going to be our moving box. Three months later, we were on our way back to North Carolina. It was time to go. The snake skin had gotten so tight, it was time to shed. That's a turn of phrase that I use a lot with my students. The snake skin is getting too tight, meaning your current situation is getting so uncomfortable that you can't possibly remain there any longer without doing damage to yourself. Three months later, the time had gone. It was so uncomfortable. It was so the wrong situation to be in that we were on our way back to North Carolina three months later. I still had no idea how my online presence was gonna make money at all. (laughs) Because at this point I was moving into the bizfluencer territory. I had released an online course. I was Selling, it was selling, but it definitely was not selling enough to replace my lawyer income, as you can imagine. And I didn't know what we were going to do. I half-heartedly looked for some jobs when we got back, but when we got back here to North Carolina, I decided I'm going to give this a real shot. If I'd never do it, I'm going to regret it. I'm going to try this business thing. We can We have enough money saved. The cost of living is low enough here that I can try it and we'll see where it goes. Well, I came up with a second course idea and an idea to coach one-on-one. And the ideas just kept rolling in. As soon as I made space for it, 
the ideas kept rolling in, not just to remain in this influencer type space, but to move into this bizfluencer type presence online, meaning I have my own products and services. I am making business type moves. I am serving corporate clients. And I'm also maintaining an online community that I had built over the course of seven years at this point. And leveraging both of those sides, the business and the influencer sides, to create multiple income streams that worked. It was nuts. As soon as I made the space in my life, and I think this is probably a theme that we're going to explore a lot on this podcast, making space for something before you're ready so that it can come in. And I think about it like this. If you have a ton of books on your shelf and you want to bring a new book in into your bookshelf, you have to take one off before you could put the new one on. Now the content of the shelf is different because you've switched the books out. There's the same number of books, but you've switched one out and you couldn't possibly fit them all because the shelf was packed. So you have to make space for these things before, before you're ready so that they can enter. You can't wait until everything's in your life and then selectively get rid of things (laughs) because you'll do what I did. And the temptation is, oh, I can do both. Even though I'm not sleeping and I'm having panic attacks, you can do both. Just, I don't know, try to set your alarm 15 minutes later and maybe you'll get some extra sleep. I don't know what I was thinking, but the temptation to do both is very strong, especially for my type A's. So I encourage you to explore this concept of making space for something before before you think you're ready and then allowing it to come in. Anyway, that's a long background for me eventually starting Coffee Date Media which is our social media marketing agency where we serve the corporate side clients. We have an agency full of incredibly, incredibly talented people, content writers, video editors, audio techs, just the most amazing content producers you have ever seen are on my team. And I get to work with them every single day. Like, are you kidding me? I'm back to creating content every single day, video, audio, written content, photography, radio, (laughs) i.e. a podcast. I'm back to doing exactly what it was that made me so happy so many years ago when I thought I was too young to know what I wanted to do. And here I am doing it now to the tune of the same or more income as I was making as an attorney, that job I was so scared to let go of. I have now replaced and grown beyond just by stepping into who I was supposed to be the entire time. So what you guys will see now, if you look on all my social media channels, you'll see Coffee Date Media on Instagram, Facebook. You'll see me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, here on the podcast. And the only thing I could say about it is that we are thriving and it's beyond anything I could have imagined. And it's due to stepping into that identity and that experience as a bizfluencer, a business influencer, an entrepreneur with influence, not just an entrepreneur. Because for me, I'm not the type of person who can just do that and be successful. I need a community of people around me. I need to be creating and putting it out into the world every day. So that's where that influence side really made things click. And 
the reason it's so important for me that you get to that point is because it took me so long, so unnecessarily long. Again, I would do it again in a heartbeat if I had to, because it led me to exactly where I am today and I could not be happier. But it took me so long and it didn't have to. I'm sure you, throughout this episode, you've been thinking, Donata, you missed all the signs. There were so many things that you missed. Signs that you shouldn't have been making decisions you were making. You shouldn't have been going along the path you were forcing yourself into because you thought it was the responsible thing to do. It, you didn't belong there and you forced yourself into it and you were successful because you worked really hard, but that wasn't for you. And maybe you're in a situation like that. Maybe this idea of becoming a bizfluencer, an entrepreneur with their own business savvy, their own products and services that they create and they perfect and they used to serve a need and somebody with the power and the desire to build a community based on their authentic self in the digital world, maybe that's the key for you too. And if I can do anything to help you shorten that time from seven, eight years down to one or two, well, then I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. So Thank you so much for listening to this first episode. I am so excited to be doing this podcast after probably a year and a half of thinking about starting a podcast. We're going to be learning everything there is to know about becoming that bizfluencer and creating that lifestyle for yourself. And I'm excited to come back here every single week with more ideas, more content, more interviews, anything I have in my tool belt. I'm going to be giving you. So thank you so much for listening to this first episode and I will see you next week.